feels so cute right now. <laughs> Welcome to None of This Is Real, the podcast for all things mysterious and weird. What the fuck is that? What's happening? Uh oh. What do you? Why does your face look like that? It's like a fucking deluge. Is that how you say that word? What? Yeah. Is it just raining really hard? It's raining so hard. Puck started bark. Like he's woofing over here because it sounds like a. It sounds like a jet plane. Oh my gosh. Oh, that was really freaky. It started right as soon as you. Wait, what'd you just say? The podcast for all things mysterious and weird? <laughs> yes, that's what I said. I said that part. Okay, I'm Doomsday Domini. And I'm Sarah Sinkhole. <laughs> and it's the friggin' apocalypse over here, apparently. Yeah. It's just cold and rainy here. This is boring. Oh, yeah, we got the apocalypse. Come on up. Well, dang, I'm missing it out. I'm missing it. Uh, so, hey, um, has anything weird or mysterious happened to you? Um, I've spent the last three days with family members that I don't see all the time. So that's pretty weird. <laughs> that is really weird. No. Um, yeah, it was a lot. I got asked a lot of questions. I wore a skirt yesterday that my one uncle asked me if I was if I was missing my kitchen curtains at home. And the oh, other like, one said was my it looked dad like a, there? a bed sheet. It, you know what? It was very Bob of them. Then my other <laughs> uncle asked me if it was a bed sheet and then asked me what century it was. <laughs> a bunch of smart asses up there. Uh, yeah, and I can't not comment on my outfit. Although the the we go two days in a row because we make way too much food, so we have to eat twice. So the first day we went to Grandpa's. Um, I got a really nice compliment from one of my beautiful cousins. I have so many beautiful cousins. Hello out there. If you're listening, I love you. Hey, Sarah's um, cousins. Hey, y'all. But my cousin, Rachel, I said, how are you doing? And she was like, um, I'd be doing a lot better if I was wearing that outfit. And I'm like, see, you make up for all the dorky uncle comments. Thank you. <laughs> Uncles don't know how to dress. What are, I know. I mean, what are they well, even talking my, about? My, my other cousins, whose dad asked me what century it was, were like, um, Dad, look at your outfit. Hello, come on. <laughs> so I felt vindicated all over the place. That reminds me of the time. It was. It's one of my favorite comebacks ever. My dad was wearing <coughs> a like a red shirt, a bright red shirt, and yellow yes. shorts. And he oh, made yes. fun of your outfit, and he, you were like, "Shut up, Bob! You look like a hot dog." <laughs> It was really good. It was just I do remember on. that. I was I was proud of myself for that. Some ketchup and mustard ass looking outfit. He did look just like a hot dog. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you are a pile of condiments on a sausage. Love you, bye. <laughs> I love you, but you need you need to be put in your place. Just real fast. Just real quick. Just real quick. Yeah. What else? Oh, I wanted to I wanted to shout out my beautiful Aunt Margaret. Aunt Margie, she's been listening and she's a librarian and she said she enjoys it and she's also very happy that we cite our sources. <laughs> oh, yes. We tried. Um, I, know. I felt very um, proud of myself when she said that. <laughs> oh my God. What? As you say that, I'm looking at my notes and, oh no, my sources are at the bottom. Oh, thank God. I was like, oh, oh. no, let your aunt down. No, do you know what is so funny? Is right as I said that, I was like, I bet I didn't even cite my own sources this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I had that same fear, but no, I think we're good. 
But so, hey, Aunt Margaret, I love you so much. You're so cool. We will we'll continue citing our sources just for you. Just for you, Margie. So what what mysterious and weird thing are you going to tell me about besides <laughs> besides your family? Although you had it easy this time. Oh, yeah. It was just my mom and dad. They came up and we had a really, really nice time. We played cards two nights in a row, cooked food, like went and had coffee, just chill stuff. It was great. That sounds nice. Um, not mysterious and weird at all. No, not really. Like just, just the normal mysterious and weird. But I did right. want to tell you. So, last episode we talked about crypto erotica. Yes, and we did. <laughs> you read me all of these really gorgeous titles of erotic novels, mm-hmm. and so I went on Amazon looking for an erotic book. I was going to buy one and give it to you as a <laughs> gift. Now, and this is <laughs> so. Oh, no. I'm looking at one, and it was called... Um, wait, this is where I need to look at my screenshot. I looked at one called Defiling the Jersey Devil. Oh, and my Lord. Uh-huh. <laughs> it looked the best. And then I saw there was a free download. It was like, click here to download instantly. And I was like, oh, cool. Maybe I can just download this, and I'll just send it to Sarah, and we can both read it. And so I clicked download. Yeah. And I get this message. Oh, no. Thanks, Brandon. Defiling the Jersey Devil will appear in your library on all of your Kindle apps and devices. It will also be automatically downloaded to Brandon's iPad. And I was like, oh, no. That is my cousin's husband. (gasps) Oh, my God. (laughs) I used... I used their Amazon Prime account to get free shipping on something like a month ago and completely forgot I was still <laughs> logged into this man's <laughs> Amazon. That is better than any present you could have ever given me. <laughs> God, I wish I could see his face when he sees it. I was... I mean, of course, oh, I was shit. in the bathroom when I was doing this and Jay was laying in bed <sighs> and I started guffing falling from the (laughs) toilet and i was like jay guess what happened and he was like i'm assuming you're gonna tell me why you're laughing so hard (laughs) wait so have you heard anything is have they have they noticed no i told i I told peggy about it the other day i was like oh no wait what's happening stop (laughs) what's happening are you ordering another erotica to send to brandon (laughs) i can't decide where to put my phone and it was delete. I set it down on my keyboard, and it was deleting my notes. Oh my lord! This is just oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> I'll just hold it for a second. Um, okay. I told Peggy, and she just started laughing, and she was like, <laughs> "He hasn't read a book since forever. Like he's probably won't even he won't notice. notice." Oh man! <laughs> but I was, or, or he really, really likes it. And oh man, he's, he's sorry, Peg. Yet. <laughs> sorry, Pegleg. I'm sorry. I said, well, you may have to dress up as the Jersey Devil or the Mothman or something. And she was like, <laughs> no. And I said, well, you're really good at making costumes. Why not? That's <laughs> true. Was... That is true. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see your Jersey Devil outfit. <laughs> Sexy, Sexy Jersey, Jersey Devil, Devil outfit. <laughs> 
Oh, so that's, that's your present. Good. Instead of a Neurotica novel, it's that story. Thank happy you. Whatever. Happy whatever. I am happy. <laughs> oh, that's too good. Yeah. After I after I talked about Chuck Tingle, I went down a rabbit hole into the Tingleverse, and I'm just deeper <laughs> deeper in love with Doctor Chuck Tingle. He's is he really a doctor? No, I don't. Well, I'm not. There's a lot of debate about the real identity and everything, everything that goes along the whole story of Chuck Tingle. It's very interesting. I could, I almost <laughs> thought about doing that for my random weirdness, and then I was like, no, I need to give it a little time. Yeah. Till, but let it rest. Um, maybe in a couple months, I will tell the maybe true story of Doctor Chuck Tingle. The expose. He's a, it's a beautiful person, whoever they are. They got a good heart somewhere in there, I think. It's Dr. Phil. It's, it's secretly Dr. Dr. Phil. Phil. <laughs> I don't want it that to be true. I don't know. That would be kind of funny, I guess. Um, oh, I also have a correction uh, all right. from last time. Last episode, or no, this was two episodes ago, you were telling me about Carlos Castaneda, and yeah. I said... I think it's Carlos Castaneda, and it oh, is okay. not. Oh, you were right. I corrected oh. you to make it incorrect. <laughs> you I incorrected me. <laughs> That's all right. You know, we, like we said last week, this is a judgment-free zone. I don't know what I'm talking about, so I just went with what you said because. Okay, I don't know not? what I'm talking about. <laughs> Turns out we're all full of shit. Duh. Well, I, I have a... I don't know if this is a correction. Can we have an explanation corner? Is that a oh, thing? Oh, please. Yes. So, remember a while ago we got the lovely review that we still quote about Lord of Mercy? Is that the yeah, one? Lord no, that was of a different Mercy. One. That was a different one, wasn't it? <clears throat> no, this was it. Okay. The color yeah. magenta is not real. That one, right? Yes. Uh, this is real, especially the color magenta. And we were like, what? What's that about? And I just happened to see an article about that very subject this past week. So I thought I would real quick read a little part of it to explain why the color magenta is not real. So what does the brain do when our eyes detect wavelengths from both ends of the light spectrum at once, like red and violet light? It has two options for interpreting the input. So either option A is sum up your input responses to produce a color halfway between red and violet in the spectrum, which would produce green, or B, invent a new color halfway between red and violet. Magenta is the evidence that the brain takes the option B. It has constructed a color to bridge the gap between red and violet because such a color does not exist in the light spectrum. Magenta has no wavelength attributed to it, unlike all the other spectrum colors. Whoa, dude. Whoa, dude, your eyeballs are fucking crazy. <laughs> and your brain is nuts. Oh, God. This is yet another example of how I, the brain is amazing and terrifying. Just It's just inventing colors left and right. It's thundering and lightning up here. So Great podcasting weather. It really is. It's spooky. And we are talking about something kind of spooky today. I'll just segue. How about that? Oh, look at that. Look at you segue and then not call attention to it. Good job. <laughs> Let me hop on my segue. So we watch out. Oh, my God. Are you okay? <laughs> I've lost control of my segue. 
I guess this is now a podcast with just me because <laughs> Domini segwayed off a cliff. Oh no, that's not funny because that's how the guy who invented segways actually died. I think. What? I'm sorry, I said that. I'm not. I didn't. I wasn't making a joke. But yes, I, I should take credit for it. It was a joke. It's too soon. It's too soon. It was a good joke. It was it's a horribly distasteful joke. Sorry. Sorry, segue people out there. And you're what? welcome. Shut up. Okay. Okay. We're talking about cults again. Because we, we talked about cults, I think it was like episode seven or so. I think it was episode It was seven. seven. You're right. I had to go back <laughs> and look at it for some reason. I don't remember now why. It was a long time ago. And we said, we promised you, because there are so many cults in the world that we would talk again someday about cults. And today is that day, y'all. It's today, y'all. Ooh, ooh. What? <laughs> I'm excited, I guess. I don't know. So... Oh, we never decided who would go first. I did you say that your cult was like a little less serious, a little less? Yeah, it, there's no like, um, there's no like, we we're gonna there's probably some toadstool moments, but it's more about like society, Western society's bullcrap, and less about like creeps and murderers and molesters and things. Okay, well, I I would suggest that I go first then. <laughs> uh oh, uh oh. You're not going to like what I did. Um, oh, no. Okay. But I first have, I think we both have an update on the cults we did before. Oh, yes, that's true. We do have an update. So I'll tell you. So I did uh, the Nexium cult, or it's spelled in X-I-V-M, like Roman numeral style. <sighs> Weird. Ugh. <clears throat> Anyway, so I covered that cult, and it was super recent, the stuff that was going on with it. So... I have an update. When we first did that episode, I didn't go into some of the nastier things about Nexium because everything was still coming out and I didn't know very much about like all the sex trafficking activities and oh, a, God. a bunch of like, you know, a bunch of awful details had come out in the trial and stuff like that. So I yes. didn't go into that, but it's a thing. You can read all about it. Um, <clears throat> update. In June of this year, Keith Ranieri was found guilty on seven charges, including Ooh, two counts get two counts of sex trafficking, um, also racketeering and forced labor conspiracy. His cohort, Allison Mack, accepted a plea deal in April of this year and is apparently awaiting sentencing. I could not find a lot of information, but in her plea deal, I think that she's still going to get some prison time. So Okay, she better. I mean... I'm, not, I'm sure, whatever, I'm not going to speculate on any of that. <clears throat> but yeah, that's what's happening. It's still in the courts. But Keith Raniere, the nasty mastermind of all of it, is... Um, what a disgusting guilty. Yeah. tool bag. Ugh. Okay, good. I'm glad. That's good news. Like, like the one, like your cult, when I talked about Nature Boy, also known as Elysio the Christ... Or Eligio Bishop. I'd left out some nasty stuff. And then I found even more nasty stuff when I looked it up. And if you want to know all that stuff, you can look it up. Because I don't feel like talking about it. I don't feel like at all. That's good. I'm good. So. Yeah. I'll just tell you some um, responses to him that I have recently come across. <clears throat> so I found a change.org petition. With 670 of the 1,000 needed signatures, 
um, still going on. I think it's still going. So if you want to go sign it, you can. It's not very eloquently um, put, but the purpose of it is uh, to ban Nature Boy and Carbonation Cult off social media permanently. And then there was another more eloquent but closed petition that had 5,500... 5,555 supporters from 2017 that was called Ban Eligio Bishop from YouTube and Facebook for Promoting Child Sex Abuse and Pedophilia. If you want to know about that, like I said, look it up because I'm not talking about it. But as of November 15th, 2019, Eligio, the most honorable prophet Eligio the Christ, is the Messiah, chief and master teacher of carbonation. Um, he started a GoFundMe page for $20,000. Okay. And I didn't, I had, I meant to look at it before we started recording, but I looked at it on the 21st of November when I started my notes and there were no donations up to that point. Okay. So I hope it's still zero, but this is the, this is what they need money for. So, like I said, the honorable prophet and teacher of carbonation, it, a predominantly African-American indigenous tribe dedicated to living in harmony with nature, upholding an ordered and structured code of morals and principles, teaching knowledge of self, and proclaiming the kingdom of God. Through the five sciences of astrology, biology, quantum physics, melanin, and grounding. Um, yada yada. I can't wait to read all of it. There's a bunch of stuff. He's a great... He's amazing. He wants to do all these things. Um... Basically, all the funds will be used for travel and relocation from Panama Panama to West Africa and developing architecture and agriculture upon arrival in Africa. Your contributions will help fuel the growth and expansion of a nation's burning desire to uplift and inspire humanity to live in harmony with the ecosystem. So it's like, okay, I mean, the way that he words this whole thing, it's like, if I if that's all I knew, I would be like, yeah, that sounds awesome. I'll give you money to do that yeah. shit. And it, it's just, just the same problem with all cults is that you know, cult leaders they use real issues and real concepts that are appealing to pull you in, you know, and then they're like, oh, also all this heinous, awful shit too. So that's where yeah, they're like, at right now. When we talked about Teal Swan, there was there's a lot of stuff that she says that's like it's true. It's like yeah. stuff, or at least psych- it sounds good using... to someone who's suffering, too. Well, no, there she uses actual like s- psychology techniques oh, yeah. and things That's like that. Oh yeah, scary. Like, she... And then, but then she does this little twist at the end where it fucks you up for life. I mean, yeah. Well, and that's what this scary. does. He's talking about you know environmental issues, which is huge, um, and dismantling white supremacy and living close to nature and letting go of like modern western life and i'm like yeah 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 I'm, I'm all for that but you're not the messiah and you're gross when someone starts claiming that they are the son of god or the messiah or the whatever or s- saying how special they are that's when it's like red flag big oh, big yeah. old red flags waving over here that is a big red flag one of many big red flags all right so let's get mad about some whole new cults i guess huh okay so we're going to do some new cults. Originally, you had suggested a couple of cults that we could do. And um, you, I, the one you originally suggested that I do sounded cool. And they weren't very, uh, like, it wasn't too heavy. Yeah. And for some reason, I just wasn't into it. And I really, okay. really wanted 
to tell you all about and research all about the fucking Branch Davidians. And I'm oh, sorry. Oh, no. Why did you do this thing? I was I trying to know. keep it light. I, cause I, <sighs> because it happened when I was 11. The, the yeah, big thing it. that happened happened when I was 11. And so I have like these bits and pieces of information about it. Because I've never really researched it. And when I was right. 11, of course, no one's going to tell me all the details or let me watch all the news about it. So Or explain it to you in any way. So now I must know. and um, uh, Now we must know. Okay. Yeah, yeah you've got to know <laughs> with me. I'm sorry. It's, Damn you're it. in, we're in this together. You, you wanted to do a podcast with me. Um, <laughs> I did. That's true. I did sign why? up for that part. You signed up for that part. Oh, Okay. So let's, let's do this. What's happening? Uncomfortable. Okay. All right, so I'll tell I'm you my in sources. A small cold ball over here. Okay, so we're both uncomfortable. We'll just do that. Together. Yeah, we're good. We can do it. We can do this. <laughs> my sources are Who Were David Koresh and the Branch Davidians from ABC News? Um, that's a video from YouTube. Um, okay. Also, the Blue Letter Bible and an article called The Waco Tragedy Explained by Tara Isabella Burton. And, of course, as always, Wikipedia. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, get your beeps and boops out now because it's about to get horrific. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. I'm ready, I guess. First, I'll tell you a little bit about the history. In 1929, Victor Hutef, I think I might not be saying his last name right. It's H-O-U-T-E-F-F. I I shan't correct you because we all know how that goes on this podcast. I'll call him Victor. Victor was a Bulgarian immigrant and a Seventh-day Adventist Sabbath school teacher. And he claimed that he had a new message for the entire church. So he presented his views in a book called The Shepherd's Rod, the 144,000, A Call for Reformation. That was the name of the book. It's very wordy. Okay. Yeah. The Adventist leadership rejected Victor's views. He said they were contrary to the teachings of the church, and Victor and his followers were kicked out. So, oh gosh, that's harsh. Can't just talk about it a little bit. Nope, they were like, "This is this is ludicrous. Get the fuck out." Heretics. So, in 1935, Victor established his headquarters to the west of Waco, Texas, and his group became known as the Davidians. Davidian indicates the belief in the restoration of the Davidic kingdom of Israel. So that's where the word Davidian comes from. Okay. Now. <clears throat> Victor died in 1955, and those who were loyal to him continued as the Davidian Seventh-day Adventists, and they were led by Victor's wife, Florence. So Florence is now the lady in charge. Now, Florence announced that there was an imminent apocalypse, and that that would occur. That's always what you want to hear. I've got great news, everybody. (laughs) good news and more good news save the date okay and so there was a specific time frame for this apocalypse however 
None of that could be found in the original writings of, of her husband, Victor. So it's possible she just made this up, this uh, apocalypse. Or I don't know. You mean maybe it was just people are making stuff up? Or it was like How told shocking. to her by God. I don't know. I see. Okay. Either way, there was now a doomsday prophecy involved in this. So another red flag. Now, Florence and her council gathered hundreds of faithful followers together at their Mount Carmel Center near Waco in 1959 for the fulfillment of Ezekiel 9. Now, I looked into this to keep it short. (laughs) Ezekiel 9 contains a a solemn warning to the professed people of God. And I read that verse and I found a ton of interpretations online, which I won't get into, but she gathered all these people and said, this Bible verse is about to come true. Get ready. Not surprisingly, the anticipated events did not occur. (gasps) Color me (gasps) shocked. I'm super shocked. So Mm -hmm. one follower named Benjamin Roden was so disappointed that he formed another group called the Branch Davidians, and he succeeded in taking control of Mount Carmel. So now he's in charge. Oh, Lord. This is so convoluted already. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, I found this all very interesting. And actually, I cut out a bunch of other, like, uh, internal drama stuff. This is kind of- Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. That's how all this seems to happen all the time. It's like, let's whittle down this group of people who all keep believing the next crazy weird thing that the next person comes up with. That's, oh, okay. So Benjamin Rodin died, the the guy who took over and called them the Branch Davidians. He died in 1978. And the members of those Branch Davidians were torn between allegiance to Benjamin's wife, Lois, and his son, George. So this guy left a wife and a son behind, and they were kind of fighting over leadership the wife the wife and the son the wife and the son yes jeez okay yeah so i couldn't i didn't see if that was benjamin roden's and lois's son or if it was a son from another woman either way okay either way lois and george are competing for leadership of the branch division so i'm gonna make a quick prophecy that someday when i start my cult Levon and I are going to have a power struggle. (laughs) (laughs) He'll be like, Mom, it's time. I'm going to take over from here. And your followers are going to have to choose between the two of you. Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited. Okay, go ahead. Well, I'm going to... I'll choose you. I'll choose you. Thank you. Okay. You have my word. I swear my allegiance to you. (laughs) You know what? And I, you. (laughs) Okay, so... Enter Vernon Howell. This is what we're going to talk about for a little bit. In 1981, Vernon Howell arrived on the scene at the Waco compound and proceeded to have an affair with the widowed Lois Roden. So, ooh, scandalous. Yeah. Just kidding. It's not. <laughs> well, it was a little scandalous because she was the leader or the one of the leaders struggling for power at the time and he was in his late 20s and she was in her late 60s so there was a big age gap wowzers right it's just something for people to talk about of course and howell wanted to have a child with her so according to howell okay. he the child that they would have together would be the chosen one um, but that didn't mm-hmm. happen. <laughs> they did not have a child together. Because yeah. she was in her late 60s. Hello. Yeah, 
that's not going to happen. Biologically, very unlikely. And yeah, I thought um, you were going to say it was some biblical shit happened and she actually had a baby in her 60s. I was going to be like, oh, man, I'm now I believe everything. Just kidding. <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, so she passed away and Lois's son, George, inherited the position of prophet and leader of the commune. So that dispute got settled. However, Mm-mm. the new leader, George, and his late mother's 20-something lover began to butt heads. And less than a year later, Vernon Howell rose to power and became the leader over those in the group who sympathized with him. Now, and he Dang. was very charming. This guy was super charming, super manipulative. So it's not surprising that he would take the leadership yeah, I'm gonna say now, that char- charming being described as charming should be a red flag. <laughs> oh yeah, I need my man to be awkward and a little bit. Yeah, you know, like please don't if be some- charming. We're out of here. If someone is charming <laughs> or charismatic, stay away from me. <laughs> I don't want to be friends with you. I want no part of your charisma. Thank you and goodbye. Goodbye. So. George didn't just give up his title as prophet or whatever. Um, He did what any of us would have done. He challenged Vernon Howell to raise the dead. Oh, wow. That's serious. Okay. I can't wait to see how many dead people he raises. And this was according to some of my sources that I couldn't get a lot of information about this dead raising thing. So (laughs) take it with a grain of salt. Take that with a grain of salt and let me know if you have any additional information about that. But um, he challenged Vernon Howell to raise the dead, and he went so far as to exhume a human corpse to demonstrate (gasps) his spiritual supremacy. Oh, my God. Okay, cool. That's not disrespectful at all. Shockingly, this did not work out in George's favor. There was a whole bunch of... There was a whole bunch of drama about um, Vernon Howell reporting George for exhuming the body and some you know, authorities coming and this and that. And I, it was convoluted and I will not bore you with it. But okay, eventually Vernon Howell gained the role of spiritual leader. And at that time, he changed his name to David Koresh. Yeah. Yep. This is. I was wondering who was going to change their name to David Koresh. Yes. This is David Koresh. That Vernon Howell okay. is David Koresh. So he did all oh. that. You know, he had the affair with the old woman and older lady, and he. Okay. Wrestled power away and all that. That's him. From the corpse guy. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Now Ooh. he changed his name to David Koresh. To tie himself to the biblical king, David, and to Cyrus the Great, um, Koresh is Hebrew for Cyrus. Okay. So, under Koresh's leadership, here's where shit gets real weird, if that wasn't weird enough for you. Oh, no, I need more weirdness. Please, give it to me. Okay. I got some for you right here in my notes. Oh, goody. So, followers were supposed to separate themselves from the world, the sins of the flesh, desires, etc., there was no running water on the compound, no heat, no electricity. Oh, there was Bible study three times a day. Women could wear no makeup or jewelry and had to wear long skirts or long shirts that covered their butts. Now, wow. that's not all that bad, but... It's not? <laughs> no, not when you hear what I'm about to tell you. Oh, God. 
People listened to Koresh because he had the Bible memorized. I guess he had had it memorized as a child and he was convinced Uh -uh. or he had convinced a lot of people that he knew how to interpret it better than anyone. So they believed him if he said, oh, God told me this or the Bible says this and this is what this means. People just automatically believed him. Because he Um, memorized a book? Yeah, because he memorized okay. a book and okay. he claimed that God had spoken to him as a child and told him that he was the Messiah, which, red flag. And there it is. <laughs> and there yeah. it is. Hey, what's up? I'm the Messiah. Bye. <laughs> no, you're not. Okay. Oh, oh, okay, cool. I believe you. If anybody does come back and they are the Messiah, they're not going to say that they're the Messiah. Probably not. Yeah. So... <laughs> So he had absolute power, authority, um, telling people what to do, what to eat, who to sleep with. Um, There were rules about what foods you could combine together. Like you couldn't eat a banana with an orange or something like that. Like you couldn't eat certain foods together. Oh my dear goodness gracious. No dairy was allowed. um, And basically they, they think that he was testing people to see what they would obey. Not that those rules necessarily all meant something, but that he wanted to see what people would do. How far will these people go obeying me? Yeah. Okay. Sounds like a real cool dude. He would also do fucked up things, which I will tell you about in a minute. And he would say, a sinless Messiah could not relate to humans to justify the things he did. So Ew. Uh. He had to be one with the, the people, with the humans, with the lowly humans. I'm so grossed out. So he had to do sinful things. Great. Um, let me let me I, let me get ready to listen to the list of okay. sinful things. Ready. First Ooh, of okay, all, I got it. God chose his wives for him. And mm, upon convenient. that choosing their prior marriages to other members of the group would be effectively dissolved. So if you came there with your husband and, and God chose you for, for him, your marriage didn't count anymore. Cool, cool, You had cool. to go and be with Koresh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not that weird. Come on, that seems normal. <laughs> that's some typical cult shit for sure. Now, yeah. Some of his wives were 14, 15, and 16 years old, and he would groom them even younger than that. Ah, I'm getting full of rage over here. Yep. Sorry. So <laughs> That's what that was. Letting out some rage. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they began disciplining their children at eight months, and if the children <laughs> misbehaved, they were handed over to Koresh for corporal punishment. Oh my God, I feel nauseous. This was justified by the doomsday prophecy because they were preparing for war in their minds and the children would have to obey at the snap of a finger when the time came. That's why they had to discipline them so harshly. Oh, God. Okay. (sighs) Now, in 1989, Koresh used his power as a spiritual leader to take several spiritual wives. Mm. His intention was to create a new lineage of world rulers. So he was intending to babies with them all. God, it's just creepy. The language is so creepy. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything's creepy, but... Okay, I'm trying to stay off the toadstool. Of course, finally, allegations of child abuse were raised, which contributed 
to the infamous 1993 Waco siege by the ATF. Yes, I remember this on the news. I'm going to tell you about this. The 90s were nuts. I was looking, I was thinking about this, like, we had the freaking O.J. Simpson trial. We had the Oklahoma City bombings. We had the freaking Waco, Texas. Like, how did we make it through the 90s? I don't know. And I think it seemed really extra bad because I feel like I could be totally wrong, but I feel like that's when the, like, 24-hour news cycle sort of thing started where it was just, like, constant, constant news all the time. You, You could watch cable news it was. For 24 hours. So that probably yeah. didn't help the insanity. So I'll tell you about the Waco compound just a little bit. Um, it was a huge complex on 77 acres where the members were isolated from the world like they were supposed to be, apparently. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. That's good. Men lived on the ground floor. Women lived on the second floor with, surprise, surprise, David Koresh. Mm-hmm. Um there was a gymnasium, a chapel, a large kitchen, and an underground school bus that was made into a shelter in case of emergency. Yeah. Okay. I think I remember that detail. Creepy. Here we go. On February 28th, 1993, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms attempted to arrest David Koresh on suspicion of possessing a cache of illegal firearms. And at that time, about 130 followers lived there. Um, The public narrative was that all of the inhabitants were crazy. And some say that this logic was used to justify using violent force to make the arrest. So they were just like, oh, there's a bunch of nuts living there. What? You mean the U.S. government would portray situations in a different light to get away with heinous violence? (laughs) No. I know. It must be. I can't believe that. Yeah, that's, that's... it's hearsay. Ugh. Okay. Okay. We're being obviously sarcastic. heavy sarcasm. <laughs> Did you know? Did you know? Okay. Did you get it? Okay. So what happens next re- remains unclear. Both surviving, um, both surviving Branch Davidians and surviving agents claimed that the other side fired first. Blah blah blah. Nobody knows who right. made the first shot. But. The raid resulted in a bitter gun battle that killed five ATF agents and five Branch Davidians and injured an additional 16 agents. So because of this gun battle, Mm -hmm. there was then a 51-day standoff. Oh my gosh. I don't think I realized it was that long. 51 fucking days. I didn't either. That's why it was on the news all the time, because it was ongoing, just like the damn OJ trial we saw for nine months. (laughs) Constantly for months. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy. So 51 days this standoff happened uh, between the Branch Davidians and the FBI, who had taken over for alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. This was a bit out of their league. Yeah. They're called the FBI. Um, the FBI used a variety of tactics to breach the compound. So they played agonizingly loud music on speakers 24-7. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that. They tried to induce sleep deprivation in members. Okay. And um, they participated in a full 60 hours of negotiation with Koresh in attempt to negotiate like access to the site. They tried to talk to him. Right. Apparently for 60 hours. Finally, on April 19th of 1993, the FBI raided the compound. 
And they used military-grade weaponry, such as armored tanks and tear gas. And during during the raid, a fire broke out, the source of which nobody can confirm. And 76 of the 85 Branch Davidians, including Koresh and a number of children, were killed. In the fire. Almost everybody, yeah. Like Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Nine people survived. Yeah, it's it's that thing of like, oh, they're all crazy. Just, you know, Just burn do em. whatever. But then yeah. everybody, almost everybody died. So it boggles um, the mind, truly. I'm almost done with this horrificness. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. <laughs> Today, uh, one modern incarnation of the Branch Davidian exists under the leadership of a man named Charles Pace. He was a follower of Ben and Lois Roden, um, and the branch, the Lord of our righteousness, is a a legally recognized denomination with 12 members. That's tiny. Only 12 members. 12. Okay. Pace claims that Koresh twisted the Bible's teachings by fathering more than a dozen children with members' wives, and Pace feels that the Lord, quote, has anointed me and anointed me to be their leader. But he claims he's not a prophet. Uh, oh, He's okay. just a teacher of righteousness. Like the Branch Davidians under Koresh, this inca- incarnation is also awaiting the end of times. Oh my God, y'all. Quit worrying about the end of times. So Just have, just be, just be excellent to each other and live your friggin' lives. What is this obsession? Yeah, it's going to end. We don't know when. <sighs> Stop trying to predict it. No one has ever been correct. Obviously, also, we're still here. Also, you're not the Messiah. Just FYI. Yeah. I hate well, to you know what? At least you. this guy with his 12 disciples or whatever isn't claiming to be the Messiah. Yeah, that's but refreshing. But teacher of righteousness sounds creepy to me. There's so many words from growing up in church that have like a weird feeling when I see them on signs or hear them. I'm just like, oh, I, don't, I feel icky. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like righteousness is first, is one of those words. Teacher of righteousness. It is one of those words. Um, I don't even <sighs> know. How do I even ask you? Is if is any of that real? I mean, there are things that could maybe be disputed. What do you think about all that? Just talk to me. Okay. Well, um, it's real that those events happened and that people died. And that's fucking awful, obviously. Duh. Um, but, yeah, this... The story is a bit sketchy. Like, how does a fire start and no one knows why? Either you started the fire and you don't want to say you did, which would be the FBI, or the fire started and all the people are gone and the situation's over, so you don't feel like investigating enough to really figure out what happened. Yeah. Which is disturbing. The whole thing's disturbing. I know. I found it really... I I just found it really fascinating that all that shit happened and it, when i was watching oh, it's, it's nuts when i was watching the video the youtube video there's a two-part um thing abc thing on it on youtube and they interviewed some women like these there were there are old tapes of women who were followers of koresh and yeah. they look like they're in a total daze when they talk about him they Ooh, look like they're so just completely in love and totally like not out of touch with reality yeah yeah or like they're not totally what's the present word? yeah something like that 
You you got you you can watch it. It's okay. Well, I, well, I might if I can stomach I was it. Like, oh my god, you're not wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I want to yell "wake up" at all kinds of people. Maybe I should just start doing that, just walking around, be like, "You need to wake up from this thing." I'll, I'll be, I'm going to preach the word, but it's going to be the weird word. <laughs> the weird word. Well, I'm your first follower. Okay, I told you. Okay. I'm joining right. your cult. This is the beginning of my cult. It's the it's the it's the cult of nothingness because none of this is real. The weird word. Including... Can I go pee real quick? As your as your follower, I have to ask permission to go pee. <laughs> You may pee, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I grant thee permission. Thank you. mm, you're welcome. All right, well, you, will you please tell me a story about a cult? I will tell you about a sort of cult. I'll tell you a story. Um, mine, like I said, it's, it's a little more lighthearted in the, um, in the sense that there's no death or murder or sexual abuse, so... Everyone just take a big deep breath, a sigh of relief. <sighs> it will make you mad though a little bit probably. Oh, okay. Damn so it. okay. Um I am going to talk about cargo cults. Okay. Okay. I don't know so what this my is. So. Oh cool. Well this is this is fun. This is it's very interesting and and, and important to talk about, I think. Okay, so my sources are an article called Who is John from? by Brooke Jarvis, um, rationalwiki.org, and of course, Wikipedia. All right, so I'm going to explain the concept of a cargo cult and where that name comes from, and then I'm going to talk a little bit in particular about one cult. It's very fascinating. Okay. Okay, so a cargo a cargo cult, I'm already struggling, is a belief system among members of a relatively undeveloped society in which adherents practice superstitious rituals hoping to bring modern goods supplied by a more technologically advanced society. I'm going to explain further where this name comes from, and then I'm going to explain to you why it's kind of problematic, which you probably could figure out pretty quickly. Okay, so the name okay. derives from the belief which began among a people called Melanesians, which is uh, like a chain of islands in the southwestern Pacific Ocean, kind of east of Australia. So in the late 19th and early 20th century, they used various ritualistic acts, such as they built uh, an airplane runway and an airplane, which were not functional, but they would they thought that would result in the appearance of materials and supplies cargo if you will okay particularly highly desirable western goods via western airplanes so i'm getting to the problematic part slowly so early theories began from the assumption that practitioners simply failed to understand technology colonization or capitalist reform okay and i've written here oh the caucasity so <laughs> However, I love that word. Many times the goods are secondary to creating a social relationship. So basically, people initially saw these movements as like, oh, these this primitive, I'm using quotations, primitive culture wants all of our cool Western stuff. Like they were like this benevolent group of people that's just bringing you stuff and now you worship it and us. And it's like, so much 
So some scholars focus on the Europeans' characterization of these movements as a fascination with manufactured goods and what such a focus says about Western commodity fetishism. So basically, we're, we're over here obsessed with stuff and we think everybody else is too. <laughs> we're projecting a little. Just a little. This is just a little projection. So I'm going to talk about a particular um, quote-unquote cargo cult centered around a figure called John Frum. F-R-U-M, if you want to look it up. So John Frum is a figure associated with a particular cult on the island of Tana in Vanuatu. Sorry if I'm mispronouncing these things. I probably am. So usually he's... uh, Depictions of him show a, a World War II American serviceman. And the idea is that this John Frum is going to bring wealth and prosperity to the people if they follow him. And this happened somewhere in the late 30s, obviously. And it was heavily influenced by already existing religious practices. So this is what people fail to see. that It's a kind of melding of... It's all about symbolism, basically. So some people say that John Frum was a kava-induced spirit vision that promised the dawn of a new age in which all white people, including missionaries would depart from the area and leave behind all their goods and properties for the native Melanesians. And for this to happen, John Frum were told, that, told the people that they had to reject all aspects of European society, including money, education, Christianity, and labor on the plantations, and had to return to their traditional customs. So this is how they see it. The people who are actually doing this stuff see it as like he came to them and was like, Get rid of all this shit. It's not important. Stick to what you know. Okay. I mean, so he's it, not wrong, is he? I don't... No, he's very right. And this whole concept <laughs> is very interesting to me. It's just so... Yeah. It so paints a picture of how stupid <laughs> people are. Western people, especially, apparently. So, movement. the movement gained popularity during World War II. When there were 300,000 American troops stationed in the area, and they brought a whole bunch of supplies cargo with them and when the war ended and the soldiers left followers of john from built a landing strip to encourage the airplanes to land and bring them more cargo that was part of the whole thing and it, it gets even crazier there's a whole day with a parade i'll describe it later but it's int- it's i just love this so the first person that was known to write down the name of john from was a british district agent who was representing colonial government because the French and British couldn't agree who had control of the islands, so they both ran it. Isn't that cute? Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Yeah. So this guy was trying to uh, figure out why... Oh, this is a connection between our two stories. Um, there were some missionaries who were Seventh-day Adventists there, Ooh. and they had a bunch of goats, and some of their goats were disappearing, and this guy, this British agent, was like, what the hell's going on? So he and he heard that they were being cooked at a big party, basically a, a night um, where people convened in a sacred area beneath a banyan tree, and they made decisions and drank kava root, and you know did their thing. And an anthropologist named Lamont Lindstrom wrote in his 1993 book *Cargo Cults: Strange Stories of Desire from Melanesia and Beyond* that people gathered and. Quote, listen to the words of a shadowy figure figure who named himself John Frum. And this was his message. He told them uh, it was a message of rebellion against the colonizers, 
with their missions and their schools and their restrictive laws, and he promised that if people kept up their own traditions, he would reward them with everything they needed. So in 1941, they rid themselves of all their money by spending it all, and they left all the churches, the schools, the villages, and plantations, and moved further inland to, to participate in their pr traditional feasts and dances and rituals. And of course, of course, the colonial authorities decided they were going to suppress this shit, right? Right. But, of course. What choice did they have? They couldn't just leave people the fuck alone. Why would we ever leave people the fuck alone and mind our own business? Oh my god. I'm going to make so many shirts that say, mind your own business. <laughs> just start passing them out. Mind your own damn business. Ugh. Okay. So they at one point they arrested a man who was calling himself John Frum and publicly humiliated him, imprisoned him, and exiled him with other leaders of the quote-unquote cult now they're calling it a cult, to another island. Um, and then it carried on anyway through the years. So in 1957, there was a leader of the John Frum movement named Nakumaha. He created the Tana Army, which is a nonviolent ritualistic society that puts on military-style parades with men whose faces were painted ritual colors and who wore white t-shirts with the letters T-A-U-S-A, which stands for Tana Army USA. This, they do this every year on February 15th, which is the date they believe John Frum will return and is observed as John Frum Day. Cool. Yeah. Let's start There's celebrating also, it. I think we should. There's also a... That's not appropriation at all, is it? Okay. Uh, so, I think it might be, actually. You're right. <laughs> it's like appropriation of appropriation of appropriation. It's like so many layers <laughs> of what we would be doing. Let's do it. Okay. We could just tell other people happy John Frum Day. Maybe we shouldn't celebrate it ourselves. Yeah, it's maybe too not. too complicated. Not so much. So there is also another um, movement similar to this that I, th I think it's the Dollop a History Podcast. These two comedians are hilarious. Love it. They did an episode about it. It's fascinating. They go into more detail and make lots of great jokes. So you should listen to it. But this is called the Prince Philip Movement. And this is on a another island in the area i did not write down the name of the island so sorry so according to ancient tales in this area the son of a mountain spirit traveled over the sea to a distant land there he married a powerful woman and then one day would return to them sometimes he's even said to be the brother of john Frum, so they're connected hmm. so they, they they believe that this person is prince philip um, Queen Elizabeth's husband and that he is oh. a divine being that whole story is also very crazy and convoluted I just thought it was interesting so look up the Prince Philip cult cargo cult so I've written here get ready to be utterly grossed out here is a this is a typical summary of what people in at least in 1984 thought about cargo cults and this was published in the Los Angeles Times Cargo cults develop when primitive societies are exposed to the overpowering material wealth of the outside industrialized world. Not knowing where the foreigners' plentiful supplies come from, the natives believe they were sent from the spirit world. The faithful still expect the Americans to arrive soon, bringing them lots of chocolate, radios, and motorcycles. Well, that's not demeaning or patronizing at all. Oh my god. Wow. <sighs> the overwhelming material, the overpowering material wealth. That's what they said. 
And I'm like, y'all, we ain't doing it right. Can't you look around you and see that we ain't doing it right? Quit acting like we're doing it right and everybody else needs to do it like us. Yeah. We're fucking it up. <laughs> <laughs> They're fucking it up. <laughs> so um, more modern anthropologists have decided, and I concur, that the accounts of cargo cults are brimming with colonialist overtones because it depicts primitive brown people worshipping and having magical thoughts about the more advanced white people. If you didn't get the point, <laughs> there it is pretty clearly. Yeah. So, 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 so gross. So there's a guy who tells the real story of John Frum briefly in a really good article I read. This man's name is Jean Pascal Wahe, and he is the Cultural Center's representative from Tana. This is the real story of John Frum, according to someone who actually lives there. And it's very condensed. There's a lot more detail. It's beautiful and interesting. That's the article I quoted earlier, I think. Um, so check it out if you want the whole thing. So before the arrival of outsiders, the people of Tana lived in peace, tending their gardens and listening to the spirits. So like the Stone Age, explained Wahe, not referring to the prehistoric period, but to a custom of their time. That had to do with this, so these, these special rocks that are shaped in a way. And they keep the rocks safe over generation after generation. And it's, I think it's about the health of their crops and just tradition. So it's, he's not talking about the, the Stone Age. St Stone Age. The Stone Age we, okay. Yeah. yeah. So in the late 19th century, Christian missionaries arrived and forced local people to move their villages, follow a new god, abandon all their customs. That's what they do. Um, everything from dancing to drinking kava to a host of specific traditions, overseeing how they rule their village, how people marry, how children come of age, like every facet of their culture. They Sometimes the missionaries even broke their stones in rejection of their customs. So these special stones, they just came up and smashed them. That's pretty fucked up. Here's a quote from Wahe. We say the missionaries came here and they made a big mess. And I think mm -hmm. that's putting it lightly. That's a very nice <laughs> diplomatic way to say it. Yeah, they made a big mess. I'd be like, yeah, okay. So in 1939, according to this story, a white man appeared at Greenpoint. He introduced himself as John from America. And everyone thought that he looked like a person, he, but he was a spirit and not a regular human. So he told them all to stop listening to the missionaries and re-embrace their traditions. And he asked all the island chiefs to tell him what they wanted. What do you need? What are your wishes? What do you guys want? So one asked for money, one asked for a truck, one an icebox, and another to be good at business, another for wisdom. The usual wishes anyone would wish. And he said, it was, it's wrong to assume that they are still waiting around for these promises to be kept. And though it has taken generations, they have fulfilled all their own wishes. Which I just love that idea. So John Frum had nothing to do with an imposed cargo cult narrative of sitting around waiting for white people to come help them. Instead, he came to symbolize all the customs on Tana, all the stones and the spirits and the living tradition. They basically just used this guy's this story to bring it all together and get back the shit that was taken from them. He was not an emblem of external transformation, uh, but of becoming more yourself. I like that version much better. Isn't it so beautiful? 
Um, so the flag and all the other imagery is just stands for the way that John from protected their traditions and that then thusly the, the traditions protected the people of Tana hmm. and in that area, their culture, that Island is known for having maintained its traditions to a quote unusual degree. So like they've got way more traditions that have carried through generations than other areas which is interesting. Hmm. And many people okay. say that's because of the legacy of John Frum. And it says he's even taken seriously by people who do not believe he was a spirit necessarily, or believe that he existed. They still honor it and respect it, despite not yeah. technically believing it. It's, the, it's a concept yeah. to them, but it's a respected one. You know, because people are seeing it in a different way and we're, we're getting a little more self-aware, at least in the Western world, I hope, um, anthropology has kind of distanced itself from that term cargo cult because it's very reductive and yeah. you know it's much more complicated like movement it's, uh, what have I got here let's see it's been reductively applied to a lot of complicated and disparate social and religious movements that arose from the stress and trauma of colonialism and sought to attain a much more varied and amorphous goals things like self-determination than material cargo. So that's the story of John Frum. That's a very, very condensed story of John Frum. And the okay. reason that I find cargo cults so interesting. That's super interesting. Yeah. So what do you think? Is any of that real? Um, well, yeah, it sounds like you just have to look at my neck for a second. Um, it sounds like it's, it's a nice neck. Thanks. It's my mama's. Um, <laughs> sounded weird. That's uh, a little bit creepy. It was. It sounds like it's less of a cult in the way we think of cults and more of, like you said, a movement, which is cool. Right. Yeah. I think Western people wanted to paint it like a cult. They want to paint it like a cult. But any, any, I guess any religious movement or spiritual movement could be labeled a cult. Um, sure. Why not? But that's just semantics. I want to say that John from is, is, so you said they were drinking kava, which yeah. you can take in small doses as like a muscle relaxer or help you sleep. I take it, right? Or yeah. I've read about I've read about drinking more of it, and I I'd love to. Um, right. It's my guess is that they were having some sort of like you know, they're having some kava or some sort of ceremony. I don't know how they drink it. Um, maybe something they did some, they did receive a message like a divine message and that, that encouraged them. Yeah, totally. Or, you know, just something inside them being like, we're not gonna stand for this to happen to our culture. Yeah. And, they, you know, they were at like at a, a gathering and, or a meeting of the minds or whatever. Maybe they came up with that as a as a group. Either yeah. way, um, you could say that's divinely inspired if you want yeah. to. I think yeah. it's easy to it's easy to easier to get behind something and rally together when there is a leader or a symbol or you know, mm -hmm. like a one myth thing behind you, it. Yeah. Like totally. an origin story. Any, anything like that even if it is just like a symbol like we all carry this or wear this or whatever something that unifies you can all get behind this is 
a con, a con you know this is the like concentrated representation of what we're about to fucking do oh that's cool but i do believe in the possibility you know that i do that an actual spirit came and they saw it and they like it manifested before their eyes and it t gave them a message i think it's entirely possible but i think sure, it, why not? it could be it could have been an alien <laughs> I think it. I my guess is that it would be more of like a, they were if they were all having some, like a some kava or something that's like stimulating a different part of your brain that they kind of had a group mind thing and they were like let's start a movement let's take back our shit before it's gone forever. I like it. That's really cool. Yours is way more hopeful and better than the one I did. I'm glad. I'm glad that I went last. Now that was a good palate cleanser. It's a good way yes. to inspire everyone yours was like a warning and mine was an inspiration yes and also, also yours kind could of a warning <laughs> a little bit of a warning against capitalism stop can we stop just calm down oh everybody my God. anyway let's um, not no toadstools <laughs> we're good okay, i'll get down i was climbing preaching up, to I'll the choir down. anyway i'm pretty sure there's a bunch of freaky weirdos that listen to our podcast yeah absolutely i love you freaky weirdos we love you um <laughs> So, is there anything you want me to ask the Magic 8-Ball? Okay, Magic 8-Ball. Will I ever be able to go to a family gathering and not be made fun of for my clothes? <laughs> uh, there's no side of this that says um, only if you don't wear clothes. So, I'll just I'll ask it and see what it okay. says. Thank you, okay. thank you. Will Sarah ever... Oh, excuse me, I didn't address the Magic 8-Ball. Magic 8-Ball, oh, wise oracle. Will Sarah ever be able to attend a family gathering without being made fun of for her choice of clothing? It says, ask again. That was a long question. Will Sarah oh, ever be gosh. able to go to a family gathering without getting made fun of for her clothes? Come on now. What? It keeps saying, ask again. It doesn't want to tell me you. Weird. Hold on. It doesn't want to tell me because the answer is, of course not, dummy. Unless you start dressing like some kind of normal muggle person. Unless you start dressing like a dad in their 50s who's the, who are the ones making fun of me. <laughs> Next time, I'll just wear belted jeans with a t-shirt tucked in and some hiking boots. <laughs> oh, my God. So, oh, God. Oh, God. You should do that. I mean, bring, bring oh like, God, other I clothes. Oh, my God, I so should. I should go into. dressed as my uncles. <laughs> but, like, show up dressed like one of your uncles. Oh, they all dress pretty much the same. And if you could get a so wig be too hard. similar to one of them. I'm... Oh, my God. Speaking of which, Hannah found a picture of me from a Halloween costume a couple years ago that I, I thought there were no pictures in existence of this costume. And I was actually talking about it a couple weeks ago to Lorenzo. I was like... <laughs> I spent so much time on that beard and it, I'll never have a picture of it. And then Hannah had a picture on her tablet, my sister Hannah, and she sent it to me and I've just been looking at it and laugh crying at myself. Because you had a beard? You. Yes, I spirit, I cut a wig up and like used spirit gum and made a serious beard. It's, I spent a really long time on it and then all we did was like go eat chicken stew at, at my friend's house. Like I didn't go to a big party. <laughs> I mean, there were several people there, but... I had stuffed a pillow in my shirt. I was calling myself Frank. Oh my god! Oh, I need to I'm see this send picture. The picture. I, if I if I maybe I'll post it on uh, our Instagram. You should give that <laughs> bless everyone's. Eyeballs that's everybody's with that. Christmas present from us. Oh, 
happy holidays. Here is my face with a beard. With I've always a beard. wanted a beard anyway, so it was like a dream come true. Right? Well, you might be able to get one when we hit menopause. That's what I said the other day. <laughs> so I can't wait to go through menopause. I'll finally have my beard. Oh, God. All right. On that note, y'all. Oh, my God. We went, sorry, off the rails. Please email us at none of this is real podcast at gmail.com with your weird ass stories. All the stories. Send us a Sweet. clip of your voice telling us what is weird to you or what is real to you or what is mysterious or what's your favorite conspiracy theory. You know, just yeah. whatever you want to talk about. That's. I was going to say that at the beginning. I have stopped. We asked people for the last year plus all those things to put on the end of the podcast. So we're not going to like bug anybody else. If you want to send us those, we will put them on the end. If no one sends them, enjoy that theme song by Gil Davids. It's really good. I was going to say, don't you want to hear your your own voice over the beautiful sounds of Gil Davis? Yes. So send us, um, send us those in our email. Also, you can slide into our DMs. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. There's a Facebook group. We're on Twitter. Tweet at us. Twitter me, baby. Stop it. Okay, I'll stop. Uh, go check out our Patreon. And what else? Spread the good word, man. Please. Spread Rate the review. weird word. The weird word. The Rate weird review. Word. Spread the weird word. So we're starting a cult for real this time. I know we said that last time. I think we're I'm for real this time. Now we have something to call it. The weird word. Other than all of that, uh, just want you to know that you don't have to believe in any of this. And you don't have to believe anyone who says they're the Messiah. Oh, my God. Please don't believe them when they say that. But do believe on yourself. You're the Messiah. Believe on yourself. Be your, your own, own Messiah. Messiah. Believe all over yourself you will save us <laughs> the end of times is near okay bye i'm creeping we're creeping i'm creeping out i'm creeping out bye 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 i love you <laughs> <laughs>